You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. We are looking at Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13, uh, which is the, the passage that some people, or probably most people, would uh, call the Lord's Prayer, all right? Uh, so it's, it's Jesus teaching about prayer, and I like prayer, all right? The prayer is awesome. I'm very excited about, te- about preaching about it this morning because when you think about it, it's, it's, it's prayer and worship that brought down the walls of Jericho. And it's prayer and worship that brought down the, the walls of the, the jail in the book of Acts. And so prayer is powerful. And so let's, uh, let's jump in and we'll read uh, the passage here. So if you want to follow along on the screen or if you have it in your Bibles, that's a, that's a good place to find it too. <laughs> All right, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of, you who, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within his house, Do not bother me, the door is shut, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened." What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Last week... If you remember, Pastor Greg talked about Mary and Martha, all right? Those two wonderful ladies that invited Jesus and his disciples into their home. And, and we talked about, or Greg talked about, how it's easy to get distracted by the things that need to get done. It's easy for me to find excuses not to spend time with God because I'm doing things for God, right? We get busy, right? There's, there's lots of things to do, and we get busy, and that's, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? We need to put things into perspective. The doing things for God and the being with God are both important. But the far more important thing is being with God. 
And so it was a good check for me this week to think about how we pray. Because that really reflects our priorities. Do we even spend time in prayer? If we do, how, how do we pray? Are we telling God to do things like Martha did last week? Tell Mary to get up and help me. It's kind of a very direct sort of prayer right there. Or are we sitting in God's presence and we're allowing God to do what he does best like, like David in Psalm 143 when he prays in verse 8, Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love for in you do I trust. Make me know the way I should go for to you I lift up my soul. Trust and surrender to God and his ways. And so as we look at this passage in which Jesus teaches his disciples about prayer, I think we might be tempted to tune out these words that Jesus speaks because we've already heard them, right? It's, it, uh, you know, as I was preparing this week, I'm like, man, I, I, you know, I taught about prayer to the youth group about a month ago. And I don't know, I think the, the Lord's Prayer just becomes kind of this thing that's, you know, kind of background noise sometimes. We don't really pursue it. We don't really dig into it because we've heard it before. But I really encourage you guys, let's pay attention this morning because I would say we need to consider what's going on around us. You know, there's a lot of division right now. You know, a lot of anger and frustration in the world. You know, with politics and with COVID and with, with racism and with, you know, the sickening effects of residential schools, all these things and, and lots more we need to fill our hearts and minds with the words of Jesus. And more than that, we need to walk in action with Jesus as his kingdom comes. And the best way to do that, I believe, is to start with prayer. And so we're going to go through these verses with an attitude of trusting God and surrendering ourselves to God. So at the start, <laughs> Jesus simply says, when you pray. When you pray. Not if you pray or not when you want to pray, but simply when you pray. <coughs> oh, that was bad. <coughs> Jesus was someone who prayed consistently and regularly. Oh boy, here it comes again. <coughs> Sorry about that. Jesus was someone who prayed very consistently and regularly. All right, lots of verses confirm this about his lifestyle of prayer. All right, we, we find he went to desolate places sometimes. He went to mountaintops sometimes. He went to gardens, and it sounds like he liked to pray outside, which I'm about, who likes to pray outside? Who likes to go outside and pray? Yeah, it's a good place to pray because, I don't know, we're, we're surrounded by, by God's amazing sanctuary. All right, sometimes he prayed for long enough that his disciples were getting worried and they couldn't find him. <laughs> so he, he liked to like just totally disappear. And so when Jesus prayed, though, he, he, he prayed when he had big decisions to make, right? And I'm sure he prayed more than that. But, you know, we find, we find him praying uh, when he had to choose his 12 disciples, all right, when he was tired from serving and ministering to people, like right after feeding the 5,000, he went up onto the mountain to pray. And when he was in, in like the deepest stress and anxiety of his life, 
like right before he was arrested and beaten and killed, he prayed. Like that, that's when he, he drew close to God. And it, it doesn't leave us much wiggle room to get out of our prayer time. We can't say that, oh, we're, I'm just too busy to pray or too tired or use the excuse that I was, I was just too stressed. I couldn't, I couldn't focus. You know, Jesus prayed in all of those times. And so when Paul tells the Colossian church to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, this is what he meant, that every part of our life needs to be covered in prayer. Being watchful of what's around you and of how we can respond to God at those specific times. And so there's no excuse. We need to pray. If we are followers of Jesus, we need to pray. What comes next is that Jesus invites us to pray to our Father. All right, if you go to Matthew chapter 6, there's a, like the, the Lord's Prayer is a little bit longer, a little bit more, you know, some more words in there, but it's practically the same. All right, so Jesus invites us to pray to our Father who is holy. All right, hallowed be your name. Your name be kept holy. With that attitude of both intimacy, of talking to a really good dad, and the realization that we are kneeling before his throne, we can pray, your kingdom come. Again, in Matthew, it adds the words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not our own kingdom and ideas, not our own plans, but seeking God's kingdom, seeking God's will. And last week we found Martha getting distracted by her own needs and telling Jesus, again, tell Mary to help me. How often do we do that? How often do we get distracted by what's going on around us and, and tell God that we want what we want him to do in this situation? We get fed up sometimes, I do at least, because I don't see God doing what I think His will should be. And we forget to trust that, that God is doing what is good. So Martha had her own ideas, her own plans, and she didn't really see Jesus' perspective. And when I pray, I, I, really, I, I need to repent of trying to get my own will and trust that God's will is good. So much better. It says in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, all these things, all these other things will be added to you. Are we distracted and busying ourselves with many things? Or are we spending time seeking God's kingdom, both in our own lives and in the city and the world around us? In praying for God's kingdom to come, this is kind of the kicker for me when I was thinking about it this week, we are also praying for, for the other side of that same coin. We are surrendering our own plans and ideas to God. We are praying and we are allowing our kingdom to be demolished. If God's kingdom is coming, then it has no place for our kingdom. And so I say to you, seek God's kingdom first and pray for his kingdom to come in our life.
But once we start doing that, remember, we need to be watchful. As it said in Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful. Because Satan will try to distract us. He will try to tempt us to do other things. And so as Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. A soldier is not going to get caught up in doing things that they don't need to do. A soldier does the will of the person that they are serving under. And so we, we are those soldiers. So don't get distracted and, lay aside, and led astray by things that are not important to the main objective. Seek the kingdom of God first. A soldier, a follower of Christ is not constantly scrolling through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> a Christ follower does not allow that anonymous commenter to draw them into some useless and pointless debate. It doesn't work. A person who seeks God's kingdom is not listening to and being influenced by the false prophets and the, the untrue voices that we find on Facebook and on social media. <laughs> we shouldn't get entangled in civilian pursuits. And I believe that, especially in this divisive time that we live in, social media is distracting us because it's leading us to these civilian pursuits and we're losing focus of what's important. Now, I think it might be best for some of us, my, myself included, to take a break from Instagram, to take a break from Facebook and all that other stuff on the internet and just, this is a big challenge, stop for a whole month. Stop doing that for a whole month. After that, Take, take an inventory of your brain and see how it's working and how it's thinking differently because we haven't been distracted. You know, instead of spending time using your thumb muscle like this, <laughs> open the Bible, pray, read the Bible, and see how you think differently after a month. <laughs> This is intense. I'm, I'm, I don't want to let up here. Paul commands Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.16, and he says this, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene, like decaying flesh. That's kind of gross. <laughs> avoid irreverent babble. Peter warns us as well in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded and be watchful. There's that word again. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So if there's any doubt in your mind, then let me say this, that yes, the devil does want to distract you. I'd nearly say that's one of his primary pursuits in his life is to distract us from the kingdom of God. 
He wants to distract us with these civilian pursuits, with irreverent babble. We're not going to find and we're not going to pursue God's kingdom on the mindlessness of social media. And so let's commit, therefore, to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's keep going with what the the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples is saying here. So we're praying for God's kingdom to come, his will to be done. We're seeking God's kingdom first. And it makes sense then that God will provide us with all of our day-to-day needs. God will give us his grace as we give his grace to other people. God will provide us with the strength and the armor to walk the path of righteousness instead of the path that leads to temptation and sin. So God, Jesus gives his disciples a model of how to pray. All right, that's pretty clear. And then goes on to start teaching about how we should pray. And so he tells the story of a man faced with unexpected guests that arrive in the middle of the night and who goes to his neighbor at midnight to ask for some bread. It's a pretty standard story, right? Anyone done that? Oh, I, was, I was really hoping that someone would raise their hand because I think that would be an awesome story, like going to your neighbor at a midnight for some bread. <laughs> All right, anyways, I don't think I've, I've ever, ever actually had to go to my neighbor for anything. Like, you know, there's the, the common like, hey, I needed a cup of sugar you know, in the middle of the afternoon. And I guess I just, I've never really been that spontaneous of a baker <laughs> that <laughs> I, I, I realize halfway through I need sugar. So, I don't know, I don't live that exciting of a life, you know. Spontaneity in baking, mm, I don't know. But anyways, I think honestly someone once stopped at my parents' farm at about three in the morning looking for some gas. So, my dad, you know, he's a good guy and he gave him some gas, but... That's about as close as I can come. Uh, it's kind of funny because my, my parents live like an hour northeast of Calgary. And this guy was like, hey, are we close to Tabor? Like, no. <laughs> no, you're not. Sorry. He took a wrong turn. So dad had to, you know, give him all the gas that he could so he could get him to the closest gas station, which is probably about half an hour away, that's open in the middle of the night. And then he can go to Tabor. So my dad's a good guy. So. All right, anyways, Jesus says that it's not because of this neighbor's friendship with the asking man that he will get some bread from him, but it's because of the man's persistence, his, his nearly his shamelessness in asking such a crazy request. Now, there's a similar story in Luke 18 where a persistent widow keeps going to a judge to demand justice against her adversary, and in it, the, event, the judge eventually does break down and, and say and give in because he doesn't want to be worn down by this persistent lady. Now, in both instances, we're told to be persistent in our prayers. And it sums it up in, in Luke 11, 9 and 10, in the verses there. And it, and it reads, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, 
and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. And just a small note, those, those, those verbs of ask and seek and knock, those are not just like a one-time asking, but it's, it's like keep asking and you will receive. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking. So it's like persistence, right? And Jesus goes on to, to ask the, the crowd some rhetorical questions, all right? And it says in the, in the, the message translation, translation this way, if your little boy asks for a serving of fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? Like I might do that with a rubber snake, but it's beside the point. If your little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of doing such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. <laughs> It'd still be funny, but... But no, I won't, I won't, I won't. All right, I realized sometime during this week, actually, and it took me that long in my life, uh, something about these stories. And like for the longest time, I really struggled with the idea of God as this reluctant, grumpy neighbor or the judge that just wouldn't want to deal with a widow anymore. And I don't know, I didn't like that picture. Obviously, it's not a very nice picture to imagine God as someone you have to be constantly be bugging in order for him to hear you. And so this week, I was, I was led to, kind of with fresh eyes, to, to see verse 13. And, and God was like, dude, I'm, I'm not like that. So that's, that's a quote from God. Dude, I'm not like that. All right, verse 13 and it says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more? If even a grumpy neighbor will give three loaves of bread to his insistent neighbor, how much more will God give us what we ask for? If even a human father who is sinful gives his kids what they need, how much more will our good and holy heavenly father desire and want to give us the greatest blessing of all? The Holy Spirit. As we pray with sincerity and with regularity, with persistence, God hears us. And unlike that neighbor, we don't have to awaken God with loud knocking. As we pray for God's kingdom to come and we surrender ourselves to Him, God gives us the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. God gives us the helper. John 14, the Spirit of God to guide us, to counsel us, to be the good soldiers that we need to be, not getting distracted. God fills us with the Holy Spirit so that we can do what God commands us to do. There's an author named Matt Woodley, and he wrote a, a book about prayer. And one of the chapters in it is called Prayer as a Dangerous Activity. 
I really like this book. And he talks about how when we pray for God's kingdom to come, Jesus responds by taking us to places of brokenness and ugliness and pain so that we can be the wholeness and the beauty of God in those areas. That's the dangerous part, isn't it? When we pray for God's kingdom to come, are we ready for our lives to get changed? Are you ready for God to invade your life? Who, in the words of of Mr. Beaver, in the Chronicles of Narnia, describes the lion Aslan as he says, well, of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He might not be safe, but he's good. And there's a wildness about God that we cannot control no matter what we try to tell him to do. And so when we pray, Woodley spells out two options about how we can respond to God coming when we pray for his kingdom. We can become scandalized or offended by Jesus, resent his presence and his constant interruptions, insist that Jesus stop sending us into places of brokenness and pain and demand that prayer always just be this sweet hour of prayer. Or, much more exciting, I think, and scary and wild, is we can invoke or we can invite God's presence. We can pray for his kingdom and then joyfully, (laughs) joyfully adjust our lives according to his interruptions. If we are going to pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in our lives, we need to start expecting that the Holy Spirit is going to interrupt our lives and give us a part in the advancing kingdom of God. I'll finish up here and say this. Jesus is inviting us into a way of prayer that will change your life. Jesus is inviting us into a way of prayer That will change your life. When we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, we are opening our lives to the wildness of the kingdom of God. And I'm brought back to the words of Psalm 143 once again. And we pray with David. So let's just say these words together. I think they're hopefully up there. There we go. Let's pray them together. Let me know in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you do I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Trust and surrender. Just as Jesus himself had to trust God and surrender himself to dying on the cross, so we too have this great example of praying Not my will, but yours be done.